0: Church, Charlotte. Greetings everyone, I hope you're having a wonderful evening. I am honored to spend a few moments with you in the Word of the Lord. We have been doing a very intentional Bible study, focusing on what does it mean to live a life of spiritual freedom. We've talked a lot about how we got to the condition of a rebellious heart and how the inheritance of sin in the human story has had a profound impact on all of us and has had a very profound uh, influence upon us. A lot of the difficulties that we wrestle with and struggle with are direct result of the heavy weight, the heavy, Conviction, um, the heavy emotional angst. Uh that is the direct inheritance of of sin, the effect and the influence of sin on our our lives. And so I want to continue that and I want to just remind you that last week we talked about how there is a power in our spoken word. There is a uh, creative element To that which we would speak. And it almost sounds uh, a little bit uh, mystical, but it is something that is profoundly established through the whole of the Word of God. In fact, this idea is so profound and so established in the scripture that the first image that we are given of creation is that it is chaos. It is without form. And the King James Version says void. Uh, Nothing of God's purpose was coming to fruition in it. It was a voidness to it. Um, There was a chaotic nature to it. It wasn't that nothing was there. Something was most definitely there. It wasn't that Time wasn't passing. Time was most assuredly passing. It was more than that. It was that in the intentions uh, of God, there was nothing of importance. There was nothing of value. It was just a voidness. And so into this chaotic void, um, you see this image of the scripture where the spirit of the Lord speaks in change begins once there is a spoken word of God. This cannot be underestimated for us. Shall I grace us with such a saying as to call us Bible students? Uh, There is something profoundly important about this moment um, where the spoken word of God is that which, brings a spiritual order and a spiritual purpose, a spiritual intentional fruitfulness. The void is vanished. And what you see is the beginning of spiritual, godly intent and purpose. Uh, This change is modeled for us in uh, the story of Genesis, which is, you know, in one place it's written as a song, that's chapter one. Another place it's written as a, um, uh, a, a, a as an accounting. That's chapter three. Um, they don't exactly match up because the point of this is not a chronological diary of what God did, but a spiritual communication of what God did. Remember this: whenever God wants to communicate something that is difficult to understand, primarily of a supernatural spiritual nature. He always, 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 New Testament, Old Testament, does by telling us a story we can understand. So there is a context, a scenario, a circumstance that we can not understand. How does God communicate with us about it? By telling us a story that we can understand. So is it difficult to understand the large Um, sovereign, important work of God? Yes. So the Lord tells us a story we can understand. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man uh, seeking goodly pearls. You get the idea. So the... Principles that are shown to us in Genesis, they give us insight to creation, but the spiritual purpose of them is not a type of diary of God's to do lists, but rather an insight into the purposes, principles of God. And so we have seen how the first responsibility given to Adam and Eve was that of language to to name the animals uh, uh, to determine what would be by their by their words. When Satan seeks to deceive Eve, how does he do it? With his words. When Eve enjoins Adam to join her in this error, how does she do it? With words. Um, when God comes seeking these this couple that has lost their spiritual way how does he how does he appeal to them how does he seek them with words you cannot underestimate or nor can you uh, let me say it this way it's impossible to understand the power and the working of faith if you do not understand the importance of how language communicates the intense of our mind and the emotions of our heart. And so, if you think that is not enough of an example that we, what I told about uh, the images from creation and the Garden of Eden, um, if that wasn't enough to get your attention, we can continue it because it's through the whole of the Word of God. And we find ourselves. Studying uh, the life of Jesus Christ, and we find ourselves seeking to know him better, seeking to learn of his ways. Um, if you just want to be religious, there's, there's lots of religions out there. You just can kind of shop until you find one that fits. But if you want to be a Christian, that means you're going to follow a life, you're going to follow a testimony, you're going to believe in a promise. We don't want to just be religious, we want to be Christ followers. In other words, if I go to to church every Sunday, but I miss my living of the gospel. I miss how it applies to me. I miss how relationship is the fundamental spiritual connection whereby human beings, you and I, might know him. If I miss that, then I won't be saved by religion. I will have missed the point, which was something more, which is, to tarry with him in the garden of Gethsemane, to tarry with him another hour, to watch as he heals the sick, to carry bread when he feeds the hungry. There's more. Uh, Jesus says, uh, I think in the Mark uh, Gospel, that he chose his disciples that they might be with him. That's very nearly a quote. I don't have it in my notes, but that's very nearly a quote, that they might be with him. Um, He chose them for community. He chose them to walk with him. Um, not just to officiate religious orders or study in, you get the idea. We must have a passion in our heart and life for that same thing that we would be with him, that we would walk with him. If you're not doing that, um, I'm glad that you're nurturing your faith, but you're nurturing a weak faith uh, that's not built upon the knowledge of God. It is a reassurance faith that oftentimes will be more useful for you to combat your fears than for you to fulfill your purpose. You you have to seek Him. One of the best ways you can do that is uh, creating quiet time in your life. Um, One thing I've learned is that when you tell people to pray more, they will all agree with you but few of them will succeed in finding the space in their life to do it. I know this because I've been these people. I too have wrestled with this and I continue to wrestle with this. I've come to believe this, if I will create quiet time in my life, it'll be easy for me to pray. It'll be easy easy for me to reflect upon the word of God. But if I fail uh, to create quiet time, then nothing else will, nothing else will aid me in my seeking of being with the Lord as well, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> as simply, making time in my life. So let me show you this in the scripture. I'm going to read from Mark uh, chapter number one. And uh, I will put it on your screen here. This is uh, Mark one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. Let's just pause right there. Uh, we started out this whole story of talking about a world that is without spiritual purpose and is void to the purposes of God, and the Word speaks over chaotic waters. That image, which perhaps you may have thought I was over-exaggerating, is now in the Gospel of John going to return, and it's going to take you even further back, and it's going to take you not to, uh, how shall we say, a world without form and void, earlier, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Or the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, in the beginning, Jesus Christ the Son of God, before manifest in flesh, before walking among us, was always the intent of God to save His creation, not to write us off. In the beginning was the Word. Everything begins and ends with uh, Word, and Word is literally spirit and life. I mean, if you seek to study the Bible with only your mind, it'll be a very uh, dry, cerebral experience, and there won't be much life-changing power. Um, but we don't want to just study as you know an academic student. Uh, we want to study while we host the presence of God. We want the pneuma, the spirit, um, the, the breathed breath of God to be within us. And this is uh, why I show this to you in the Gospel of John, to show you Jesus as the word revealed. So in this long theme of divine purpose, Jesus revealed in the flesh, is not simply a new thing. To the outsider, to the critic, to the Sadducee, Pharisee, yes, the Lord does a new thing. In terms of justice, in terms of hope, in terms of embracing of a covenant people, yes, God has done a new thing. But in in terms of divine intent, the word was at the beginning. This intention of God to bring salvation to a lost creation was always in the heart of God. I think one of the best ways to understand this is to see, I think, maybe 38 times, uh, I'm pulling this out of my memory here, I could be wrong, Something like that, where the Bible says something like this um, I'm not doing this for your sake, but I'm doing it for my name's sake. Um, I, th- I think it's, I, th- I want to say that number's uh, coming to me. But there's a bunch of them where the Lord says, Not for your sake, but for my name's sake. Um, this is threaded through Christ the Redeemer. Christ, the flesh of God, Christ with us, the hope of glory, threaded through the eternal word, the intent, the spoken, direct, the word from the beginning. Yes, it seems like a new thing, but this was always in the heart of God, not because or not simply because we needed it, although we did, but because this is who God is. For my name's sake, what is his name? Jesus, what does Jesus mean? Jehovah my savior. Jehovah has become my salvation. This was always in the heart, the heart of God. I want to read one more passage. Let me uh, flip here over to John chapter number five, and I'm going to read at verse number 36. Let me make sure I have you, John chapter five, and we will read at verse number 36. Here we go, let me find this for you here. But I have, let me see if you can see that. Yes, right here. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of Me, God, has testified of the works that would be done by the man Christ Jesus. Of course, more than just a man, Son of God, (coughs) eternal Godhead in Him, complete in that expression. Ye are complete in Him. (coughs) Forgive me. Um, Let's go here to uh, back to verse 37. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify me. But if you are not willing to come to me, but you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. Look at this passage right here. Um, You have neither heard his voice at any time or seen his form. That's what's different about Jesus, God with us. Yet God, the ineffable, invisible, eternal, incomparable, infinity of one, (laughs) this God has testified of Jesus Christ. Um, Even, so let me say it this way, even when God is redeeming us, he speaks it into being. And so we have to learn how uh, the living word made it possible for us to live the word. The living word, Jesus, He of whom the prophet spake, the hope of the fathers. The living word has made it possible that we might live his word. And so this is where, this is what I want to focus on uh, for a few moments. Um, This, uh, tell you what, let let me show you one more moment in the scripture just in case, you know, the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily... Um, not easily uh, severed. So uh, let me give you one one more um, example of this. And uh, this is in the circumstance where Mary, young Mary, Virgin Mary, is uh, about to become the mother of the Savior of the world. And her initial response um to to the angel that tells her tell you what since it's the holiday season and this is a great holiday scripture let me let's just read this I'm turning quickly there Uh, it's been years since I've had a Bible drill but I grew up on Bible drills so we will be right here in 1 and 26 that's 2 Luke 1 and 26 here we go flipping over Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary and having come in, the angel said to her... Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, who? The angel. She was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. His name, Jesus. Everywhere he goes, people call him Jesus. Jehovah is my salvation. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And the angel and then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, notice this reassurance. 36. Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. You guys should know this was John the Baptist. She's now six months pregnant with John the Baptist, she who was called barren. And then this statement For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Excuse me. (coughs) I'm still trying to get over bronchitis and. It's been a long journey. The maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to thy word. According to thy word. (coughs) The living word has made it possible for Mary to live out God's word. Every one of us has to learn to speak God's promises. (coughs) God's promises into the chaos of a life ruled by sin. Every one of us has to learn how to speak the word of God into the uncertainty of a heart trapped in fear. Every one of us has to learn how to receive a negative report of, say, difficulty in our health but choose to turn away from that report and live out God's promises. He has made it possible for us to do that. Our challenge, the challenge of a life of faith, would you like to live a life of faith? I would like to live a life of faith. The challenge for us is to choose the word of God and refuse the voice of doubt, the voice of fear. Now, I I think it matters little how long you've served God. It's still hard. I would like to say that it gets easier and maybe it does. I, I, I hesitate to say it does though, because I feel like we are too prone to be satisfied with a religious life and carry with us all the same fears, all the same doubts, all the same insecurities, all the same cynical responses to painful circumstances, all the same unwise comparing ourselves one with another, it's just now we do it at church. I wanna challenge every one of you to take this seriously. I have been in the season of my life challenging myself in this manner, trying to take this seriously. It's not enough. Hear me, my brothers, my sisters, It's not enough for us to have a religious manner of being. We have to choose faith. We have to choose faith. That means I stand on the word of God and every other negative report in my life, I cast doubt upon every voice except the word of God. What most of us do is the opposite. We have a hierarchy of voices in our life that we value at certain levels. The highest being our own opinion of anything. And then maybe down a a ladder of importance to us, various ones said this, so-and-so said this. um, I need to humble myself and actively cast doubt upon any voice except what the Lord says. I need to live that way. I need to establish that as a way of being. How do I do that? I'm going to give you a handful of things as I, as we often do, not just me, but pastors all around the world try to give you a handful of things. These are ways to activate the word of God in your life. The first thing I would do is you need to make the word of God a priority. You need to. Not just respond to circumstances, but use a study Bible, use the Internet, use software, and uh, find everything the Bible has to say on something. Make God's word a priority. And then quote those scriptures back to yourself in the face of emotion. Whenever you feel emotion, it's like a light on your dashboard telling you to quote scripture to yourself. Now, the second thing is to choose to believe the words that you are reading. Uh, I know that sounds overly simple, but I'm telling you, I don't, Uh, However long you live for God, you still have to choose to believe the word of God, not just have a reassuring religious response, but actively to believe it in your life. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the word of God or NIV, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word about Jesus Christ. So first, make God's word a priority. In fact, be willing to cast doubt on any other voice in your life while you hold to the word of God. Number two, believe it. Don't just make duty, religious duty out of it. Uh, religion oftentimes is an expert at making you repeat things that you actually don't believe in, don't believe in the evidence of it is shown in the emotions, fears, doubts that have been remained in you that if you really believed, those emotions and doubts wouldn't be in you. Um, the third thing, uh, meditate on the scriptures. Um, carry them with you. Uh, turn them into part of your reflective, reflections during the day, Your Thoughts, your prayers, and your praise. Meditate upon the Word of God. Let me just remind you, and I, you've all—most of you've heard this taught before. But if you look at that word, meditate, uh, in its original uh, biblical language, one of the things you'll find is that a literal—a literal takeaway is it means to chew the cud, um, as if. a um, uh, 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 cow or an oxen their oxen would have been more common than a dairy cow in the time of christ but um, they they chew their cud they just chew it they chew it and they chew it and they chew it they just carry it with them their multiple stomachs and they chew it that's what we need to do with the word of god We need to chew it as though it is something we are all day long reflecting upon. Um, Another thing that I'd like you to do uh, when in this same manner is I'd like to encourage you to get in the habit of saying out loud, the word of god that applies to your life say it out loud um it's good for you to do it and more importantly the people in your life who are witnesses to your life it's very very good for them to hear you uh speak out the word of god that you are actively applying to your life in this set of trials and tribulations (coughs) excuse me i'm ready to quit because i'm i i'm this is less than ideal for all of us um, uh, meditate it meditate speak it out loud think about it um as a response to your stressfulness, so once you've organized yourself, and these are scriptures I'm applying to this tri- trial I'm in my life, uh, I'm going through right now. Say I wake up with a stress dream and I'm upset. Um, it's not time, you know, to to sit there and worry. It's time for me to intentionally, by choice, to quote back to my fears. The most important quotations you'll do is to your emotions, to your fears, to your uncertainty. Um, And uh, the word of God is full of advice. And if we do it, it has a reward that is more important than just a soothing to our emotions. A confession, a lot of us use the scripture to soothe our emotions and manage our fears. But when you do the word of God, it comes with a harvest that is more than just managing your fears and soothing your heart. It comes with a harvest. So uh, James says it like this, that if you listen to the word, um, and this is, of course, chapter one, verse 23, I'm reading NLT. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for um, uh, God will bless you for doing it. So uh, this is how we, by the power of God through the victory of Christ, we're able to live out the word of God because he is our living word. In other words, this would all be a little bit mystical and how shall we say phenomenologically crazy (laughs) except for one thing, Jesus rose from the dead. He became our first fruits, our evidence that there is an invisible world beyond this world. Now, people don't want to believe it until they talk about quantum physics. And then they want to talk about uh, infinite number of worlds because the math works. And, you know, you look into quantum physics and I enjoy doing this kind of thing. And I was last night, I was listening to a physicist and he was talking about the, uh, the crisis in modern uh, physics, um, how there's a lot we know. And there's a lot of things that we seem trapped in, like this whole many worlds theories. No one wants to believe it. It's, there's this one big problem. The math works <laughs> and it makes predictions. And no, we don't know everything about it. And yes, we need more powerful particle accelerators to understand blah, blah, blah that He's making his case, but the reason why people are stuck with it is because the math works. <laughs> um, you can interpret it differently, but suddenly the math doesn't work, and all of a sudden they're you know they're ready to believe in many worlds. But you talk about religion, they're like, oh no no, there's this. They're materialists. You know this world is all there is. There can be no other worlds except for you know. Quantif- anyway, moving along, you get the idea. We have as believers to hold tighter than we've ever held to the testimony, the witness, the eyewitnesses uh, of Christ's resurrection. And because Christ arose, he did what he said he was going to do, we live with a hope that this world is not all there is. There's a world beyond this world. There's a spirit realm beyond this life. That means because of the victory that Christ Purchase for us, we can have victory in this life through Him, and that's what we're looking for here today. Um, he is our word. Our words are the most powerful thing we can we control in the physical world of the flesh. We're, we we talk a lot about the world of the spirit and the world of the flesh. Um, what has value and power in the world of the spirit and what is value in the world of the flesh. But there's one thing in the word of the flesh, in the world of the flesh, that is the single most powerful thing. It's not angels. That's the world of the spirit. It's not even doctrine forever settled. That's the realm the realm of the spirit. That's the eternal. The most powerful thing we have is our spoken word of intent, creation, the self-defining act of speaking the word of God. And so, because he is our living word, we're able to live out the word of God. And that's what I want to see you do. That's what I want to do. We push on to real overcoming life. So, let's apply this to wherever you are. Think about prayerfully where you're weak, where you've done good. Think about changes you need to make. Take those changes to prayer. Let God speak into your spirit his word and then you, as though you were God's created being in a garden of his perfect intention, you have responsibility to speak the language of the realm, the names of the creatures. So in your life, you begin to speak, I will not be bound by fear. I will not be bound by worry. I will not live a life of uncertainty. But I stand upon the word of God, and that word, lived perfectly by Jesus Christ, is my living testimony that I'm not stuck in my place of despair and hopelessness, that I can live God's word, because Christ is the living word. Lord, I pray for everyone uh, listening to this, however they got here, whether this is uh, uh, something later or they're in this moment right now, I pray you would be with us, Lord God. I pray you would awaken us to the power of our language, the power of our spoken intent, and with our lips, help us to praise you and with our lips help us to speak glory hope victory promise help us to uh, ventilate to the whole world the word of god help us to radiate to our communities the word of god help us to be bold in applying the scripture that is practical to our day, our week, the circumstances of our life. Help us to get comfortable quoting scripture in the face of our fears. Help us to get comfortable taking a Bible and laying it on our chest when we are filled with terror and worry. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live out the word, eternal word of God, that we too might become living evangelists known and read of men. The more we live your word, the more our word makes a difference in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, Join us on Sunday. If you don't have a local church, we would love to get to know you. We have two locations, Concord and in Charlotte. You can go to the websites of the respective churches, um, firstchurchclt.com. And... uh, can't remember the c3 website but if you'll search christ community church concord um, you will find us there we would love to get to know you websites have all the information about us and also if you're watching on youtube you can click about and the link will come up uh, to the respective websites god bless you we love you Have a great day in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts please text give to 704-445-5353 we pray God's richest blessings to you come worship with us